With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter Wonderful Pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch, and the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, Wonderful Pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Jeff Schwartz, Fox Sports analyst, eight NFL seasons, brother of Mitchell Schwartz, great offensive lineman. Okay, you live in the Carolinas. It's Bryce Young. I think he was the best college quarterback. They're my shock team in the NFL. I think they're going to win their division. Nobody else does. What are you hearing? What do you expect? I don't know why no one would pick them to win the division. If you look at the quarterback situation, it's second best in this division. And look at their roster. Defensively, really good. And they bring over a fantastic defensive coordinator. The offensive line has a lot of young pieces that are pretty good. And they have enough skill position to make it work. But it's up to Bryce Young staying healthy. All the things we knew about him in Alabama, great study habits, great uh, pre-snap, great post-snap, all those things are true in Carolina. It's just a matter of health. It's can he stay healthy the first week of the season when a 330-pound defensive tackle falls on his shoulder? Is he going to stay healthy? That's my only concern with him. Otherwise, he's hitting every marks. I was told in the offseason program he was changing plays at line of scrimmage like a veteran already. He's doing all the things that he was in Alabama. We know those things are, are true. They showed all the time on his film. The question for me, Colin, is just health. Is If he stays healthy, I'm with you. I picked Carolina, I believe, to, to win the division uh, as well because I think they're the most talented team if Bryce Young can stay healthy all season long. Yeah, no, I like him a lot. So uh, Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City for years, but I've said that the question yeah. is always, and you see this in companies, you got Andy Reid, Brett Veach, Mahomes. You don't know how much is really him, right? You see this with companies. Executives will leave a great company, go out on their own, and they don't do anything. You see it in bands. A guy leaves a band, goes out in his own, nobody buys the records. So I look at Eric Bieniemy. he's at Washington, a story comes out this week. The players are like, whoa, 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 he's too harsh, he's too intense. You have a little connection to Kansas City. Are you surprised yeah. by the story? What do you make of it? I'm not surprised by the story because everyone who's played with Eric Bieniemy and he was the running back coach when I was there for a year, my brother was there five years, he's an intense coach. He's an intense guy. He's a passionate football coach. The question is whether that translates to good offensive design, to good play calling, to getting the best from his players. There have been plenty of coaches in all in all walks of sports that are very intense individuals. 
does that translate to being a, a teacher, right? So if he goes to Washington and the offense is good and Sam Howell plays good, it doesn't matter how intense he is. If the intensity takes away from being able to teach and being able to coach and get his players better, that's where you have the problem. Right now, we don't know because they haven't played any games yet. And it's really tough to judge him, in my opinion, with, with, with Sam Howell's quarterback, right? He's not, they're not giving him an opportunity. And obviously, he knew what he was doing when he signed there. But Sam Howell is the fourth worst quarterback in the division, right? He's worst in the division. Like, what are they going to do with Sam Howell that makes you feel great about the offense? So to me, it's not about the intensity or whether it's whether or not that intensity is hurting his ability to coach up his players and get him in the right position to be successful on Sundays. All right, so the Jets had a practice against Carolina. This was probably pretty big news where you live, and it was choppy. Oh, yeah. Um, they, don't have their, they don't have their tackles settled. I mean, you know this from your brother. When the Chiefs went to a Super Bowl, Mahomes got, you know, unraveled, and Mahomes doesn't get unraveled if you don't have your tackles right. Older yeah. quarterback, Aaron doesn't want to run anymore. His numbers have gone down, running attempts, running yards. I think it's the season. You tell me, have you ever entered a season in your eight years when you're unsettled, unsure, especially at tackle, and then seven weeks in, you're like, we got the Cowboys five years ago O-line? <laughs> Not often. Um, it happens sometimes with younger offensive lines, right? You grow into the position. But that's not really what the Jets are at right now, right? Dwayne Brown's out, hasn't practiced so far. Makai Becton's over at left tackle. He's struggling. He really should be the right tackle. And both right tackles in competition are struggling. And they're talking about moving their best player, Elijah Vera Tucker, who only played seven games last year, out back out to tackle. Then you have to fill in another guy. I mean, you're, you're playing these, these musical chairs like you don't want to do that. You don't want to have to move your best offensive lineman to fill a hole somewhere else because now, ideally, you have two positions of weakness, right? Makai Becton's not going to play left tackle unless Dwayne Brown's out. And if Dwayne Brown comes back, then Makai has had no reps at right tackle. They're just kind of in a bad shape right now with this offensive line shuffle. And there's less practice time now, right? There's less opportunity to work through some of these issues that you had an opportunity to do many, many years ago. Now, guys have adapted to that, obviously, and they've changed the way that they're able to prepare, and they do a lot more in the offseason. But it'd be concern, uh, basically three weeks from being finalized, that your left tackle's out. You're talking about moving your 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 best offensive lineman. Your backup left tackle hasn't been good. Who's supposed to play right tackle for you? Your right tackles haven't been great. Like, this not, it's, not <laughs> good, it's not a good operation when you have all these, all these moving parts three weeks before the season. So I don't know how they settle in, uh, but Dwayne Brown coming back would, would certainly make things a lot better because then you would leave Elijah Vera Tucker guard. You have three options at right tackle. You have Dwayne Brown, who's as steady as they come, settle in at, 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 at that position. So his health, I think, will determine how this offensive line turns out. Um, one more NFL question. I believe because starters are playing less in the preseason and we have one fewer preseason game that practices mean more. You don't get a lot of one versus ones, and Dak had a practice this week with three picks, two of them awful, and I'm like, it's something. He led the league last year and missed four starts. Zeke's gone. O-line's Zach Martin's holding out. Bringing in, you know, now Mike McCarthy's the play caller. I know it's a hot take, but I think it's a, it's something, isn't it? It's probably something, but I will remind everyone that in 2018, there was a headline about two weeks in a training camp that Patrick Mahomes has thrown two many interceptions. He threw six or seven in one day, and obviously he won the MVP that year and threw 50 touchdowns. So 
obviously I'm not comparing, I think, Mahomes and Dak Prescott, but in training camp, you are working through a couple of things, right? You're you're trying to work on certain things. So there's times I've seen some of the interceptions where, you know, the play's sort of dead. He's just kind of heaving up there and maybe not the, the best decision or decision he will not make in actual game because he'll be on the ground, uh, which is also a concern for the Cowboys without Zach Martin. If you watch all these clips, they're going to miss Zach Martin if he doesn't play, but I think right. it's, it's not nothing, right? It's not nothing. Like, he shouldn't be throwing as many as he does, but some of these are just sort of late in the down. That one's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so I, like some of them are bad, but I'm not as concerned about it as I think most are, but the Zach Martin thing is real. I, Jerry Jones, you need to pay Zach Martin, man. You need, you need to get to, he's a hall of fame offensive lineman in the prime of his career. Give him a few more dollars, like get it done. Listen to that. Listen to the offensive line guy. He's stumping <laughs> for Zach Martin. Finally, you're a PAC 12 guy, Oregon duck yeah. guy. Um, I have said, I thought the conference died about five years ago outside of three or four programs. And the bottom line is, if the Big Ten's offering you $70 million a year, the SEC's offering you $70 million, and the Pac-12 gives you $25-30, I'm an athletic director. Football pays for everything. If I can get three times the money, I'm going to the Big Ten. I'm excited for the matchups. Are you bothered as a former player? How, do you, how does it land for you? Well, so... I grew up a UCLA fan and from Los Angeles and went to Oregon and I love the regionality of college football, right? It is regionally. I I've loved the Pac-12 conference and they've certainly made a lot of mistakes. They're, they're very much at fault for what's happening, but nationally you are correct. The matchups are incredible, right? You might have a weekend when you have Penn state and Oregon play and Michigan and USC play. And the nightcap is, is Alabama, Texas like, in a <laughs> conference game. Right. Like you're, you're going to have, much better games, but the regionality of the sport is gone. And I don't blame Oregon all for leaving, right? This is a play for the future. You're getting half a share now, but a full share in, in 2030. And the linear TV deals part of this as well. You want to be on Fox. You want to be an ESPN. You want to be an NBC, CBS. So I don't fault any team for having to move. I'm sad it got here, uh, but this has been a 12 year process, right? Not, not getting Texas, Oklahoma, the, 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 the Pac-12 network deal fiasco, not, not putting Pac-12 network, network on certain TV providers, not selling Pac-12 network. A lot of it comes to Pac-12 network, like not not expanding two years ago. So it's been a long process and it's been drawn out. It's been a year now for Oregon and Washington to figure this out. I haven't loved it. I, I, it's weird to see the Big Ten network put out a tweet saying like, hey, look at Oregon's uniforms from last season. They'll be in the Big Ten next season. And, and the worst part, Colin, about all of this, and you know this as well, this is the best the Pac-12 might ever be in a season. They are have incredible teams this year with amazing quarterbacks. They're going to the NFL, and we're talking about what conference they're going to play in in two years. Yeah. Jeff Schwartz. Good seeing you, buddy. He's got a little Oregon Thank green you. shade, a little more Tulane <laughs> than Oregon, but a little green there. Good seeing you, my man. I got the helmet. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Very, very nice. Uh, Jeff Schwartz. Yeah, I always said this. Um, in my business, regionality is not good for syndicated radio baseball's regional. Nobody in San Diego cares about the Twins. Nobody in Cleveland cares about the A's. In the NFL, people in Cleveland will watch the Eagles and the Chargers, right? And the Texans. That's just the reality of the NFL. The NFL's not regional. So regionality is bad, and college football has become incredibly parochial and regional, and I think now it becomes less so because you have all these West Coast brands going into this massive Midwest conference, and so the Midwest will watch the West, the West will watch the Midwest, the South will watch all of it, and uh, I can't wait. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. 
Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here is Ryan with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news! This is the Herdline News. Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl in his second season with the Steelers, and he knows that if Pittsburgh has any aspirations at a playoff run, it will all come down to Kenny Pickett's growth and performance in his second season. Here's what Big Ben had to say on his football and podcast. The key is going to be Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. Can he still continue to lead the team and grow, which I've heard nothing but great things about what he's done this year so far, audibling, changing plays, making things happen. Um, so how will he go? What will happen when he faces a defensive coordinator, a Dick LeBeau, mm-hmm. that, there are no Dick LeBeaus anymore, but um, a Dick LeBeau defensive coordinator that says, okay, I'm not going to let you beat me this time. Mm. So he's going to kind of be the catalyst to, to, I think, how the team goes. He's going to have to have a big second year. And same thing with George. You like the Steelers this year. You like, I like them their, as... I like their roster a lot. If you just took the Ravens and the Steelers, the Browns and the Bengals, and every division played every other division, 
There's an argument. The AFC North would kick everybody's butt. <laughs> I mean, they're. I mean, you got you have everything in that division. My only question is, it's going to be close. It's going to come down to week 15, 16, 17. Um, can they finally get the run game with Najee Harris and that O-line and that offensive coordinator? They made a couple of additions yes. to the O-line. They drafted yeah. a player, added someone, in, added a guard in free agency. So, so. If, if you can, if Kenny Pickett gets a reasonable, a top 12-ish run game, they're a handful. Because that defense, they, they just doubled down on it this offseason. Sure, and another you know big factor for the Steelers at the end of last season was basically if T.J. Watt was healthy and on the field, they were winning games. So yeah. hopefully if you get a full season out of T.J. Watt, that'll mean good things once again for that tough Steelers defense. Earlier this offseason, Tyreek Hill spoke about breaking Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving yards record, saying he will crack 2,000 yards. Now Tyreek is doubling down, and he explained how he can achieve this record-setting mark. Here's what he had to say. Man, I just believe, man, um, just the quarterback play that we have is amazing. You know, as you can see, man, Tua has been delivering, I feel like, all training count, man. And the way that, you know, our head coach and our OC design plays for us is ridiculous. So um, my job is really easy. I just got to stay healthy. I just got to, you know, keep my attention to detail um, and just know where to be at on the field at all times for, for my quarterback. And I'll be able to make those plays to get where I want to be at, which is 2K, man. Can't wait. <laughs> The if, look, we we'll take a look here at some of the uh, record-breaking seasons, top receivers for a single season, and obviously Calvin Johnson's at the top. Cooper Cup, Julio Jones, Jerry Rice, Antonio Brown. Did any of those guys have Jalen Waddle on the other side? <laughs> I think that a lot of that. Now sure. Mike Gesicki's gone, but they have they have a thousand-yard receiver on the other side. So, and also it's something to think about with Tua. I think they'd like to establish a little bit more of a run game. You don't want Tua throwing 42 times. Right. So if you're trying to establish a I think I think two I think Tyreek's going to have a lot of over the top plays and a lot of touchdowns. But they don't want to be a a 43 throw a game team with Tua's concussion issues. So they're going to try to develop not. a run game, peel back a cuz they, they I don't know if it's a great pass blocking line. So and Waddles on the other side. So I I think he's a great player, but I don't I don't see two thousand yards. And also I would say in his division is Sauce Gardner. I mean the Bills have a great corner. The the the, the Patriots strength of their team they their secondary is always good, and the Jets have two good corners and one superstar. So I think the two thousand yards doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, it, it means you would need everything to go right with the Dolphins, most notably Tua staying healthy the entire season, which there's a huge question about that. And even so, if they're doing that and winning as many games as we expect them to win, if Tua stays healthy, they're likely not throwing the ball as much as we would think because they'll have a lead and want to run out the clock. And we'll wrap up with this. Chris Jones and the Chiefs have yet to come to a long-term agreement as the defensive tackle continues his holdout. The latest report comes from The Athletic saying Kansas City is unwilling to make Jones the league's highest-paid defensive tackle. Jones is reportedly looking to become the second highest paid player at the position behind Aaron Donald. His current deal makes him the eighth highest paid tackle. Let's take a look at these recent deals. You have Aaron Donald at the top, followed by Quinn and Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence, DeForest Buckner, Javon Hargrave, and then Chris Jones. The gap there is he's at $20 million per season. Aaron Donald at the top at $31.7 million.
Yeah, I mean, when you pay your quarterback big money, it's it's hard to start sort of line up. I mean, I, I do feel like if you had to pay three payer players on your roster, you could do worse or four. Quarterback, left tackle, weapon, and dominating def- defensive line presence. And then just go really young on the rest of the defense, which the Chiefs are. Yeah. So, I mean, the Chiefs are doing a very good job. They're paying the right positions. Quarterback, great weapon, Chris Jones, and a couple of their own linemen. That's where I would spend my money. Now, they bailed on a really good corner. I think corner tends to be overrated. That's just me. I, I I think that. I think you can win without great corners. I think if you have a great defensive line, your corners are automatically better. So I don't think you have to be great at linebacker safety. Um, so I, the Chiefs will figure it out. Like, you're not going to let Chris Jones in his prime go. You're not. Yeah, and I think that what the Chiefs have made clear, especially with the way they structured Mahomes' contract, is they want to continue to have as much flexibility as possible so that they can continue to adjust that roster to extend this winning window as long as they can. I mean, you know, Travis Kelsey has been in the league a long time. He's still elite, but how many more years does he have? And they know at some point they're going to have to address that as much as they've had to rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the defense, rebuild the receiving core. So I'm sure that they love Chris Jones, but they also don't want to be cash strapped so that that way they can't continue to contend year over year. Good stuff. Ryan with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. Well, Alan Shipnuck is a top golf writer, and there's a new book out on Phil Mickelson. Wild gambling stories and exploits. We'll address that. Look at the preseason schedule in the NFL tonight. It's a good one. Six games, five really giving us a clue on what to expect with young quarterbacks. Live in L.A., it's The Herd. Thanks for listening to The Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for The Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Listen to Comeback Stories. I'm Darren Waller. You may know me best as a tight end for the New York Giants. You may also know me for my story of overcoming addiction and alcoholism. You may have heard a few of my tracks as an artist or a producer. You may have seen the work that I've done through my foundation. And you may know my friend and co-host, Donnie Starkins, as well. He's a mindfulness teacher, a yoga instructor, a life coach, a man fully invested in seeing people reach their fullest potential. And we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there is a fascinating new book out called Gambler. It's by the greatest and a living legend sports gambler probably in American history, Billy Walters. Alan Shipnock, and in that book, The Exploits, Habits, and Issues of Phil Mickelson's Gambling Past. Uh, it does read, I've been told, a little bit like there's a score to settle, but Alan Shipnuck has read the book. He's an esteemed golf writer. We'll get more into his book on Phil in a second. So you read it. Um, it does feel like, because, you know, Walters ended up in prison. Is it a score to settle, or do you buy many of the claims? Both, actually. I mean, clearly, um, Billy Walters has issues with Phil Mickelson. He's he's honest about that. You know, they were they were great friends, and Billy was Phil's mentor, and that that has been destroyed. And you know, Billy's contention is that if Phil had testified at the insider trading case that Walt ultimately sent Walters to jail, um, that he he might have been able to get off. It's questionable. I mean, Phil was never charged with a crime. He was sort of adjacent to what was happening in the yeah. insider trading, but it, it, it was really between Billy Walters and this guy named Tom Davis. So I'm not sure that Phil could have saved him, but Billy thinks that, that he could have and that Phil would not even get up on the stand and try uh, when they were close friends and, and business partners. Uh, Billy will never forgive him for that. So yes, there's an element of revenge in this book, but at the same time, 
everything Billy's ever said about Phil is checked out and I vetted it. Lots of Simon Schuster lawyers for this book have vetted it. There's um, I think he's shooting straight here, but you do have to take it with a grain of salt because there is a lot of bitterness there. Um, listen, Phil's I heard this two decades ago when I was working in Vegas, I heard like, Oh, Mickelson's a huge gambler. He's a whale. And they don't call you a goldfish. They call you a whale because you swallow stuff. And he's just, I mean, food, wine, gambling. His style on the course was risky. You know, Phil, you wrote a book called Phil, incredibly, redeemably uh, consumable. It's a fascinating book. I loved it. Read it in a day. And my takeaway is, I know I'm supposed to be offended by these stories and these exploits. And he he gambled, you know, a billion dollars. And then I think to myself, or whatever it was, Phil, Alan, I'm not shocked by it. I'm not, why am I not bothered by it? <laughs> well, it's, it's always been part of Phil's brand. As you say, he was known uh, to love Vegas. He he famously made that that bet on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl yeah. and cashed half a million dollars. That was 20 years ago. That was, you know, so it's, it's always been part of his identity. And of course, it's the way he played the game, you know, high risks, high stakes, uh, crash and burn. And that's why he won a lot of tournaments and why he lost a lot of tournaments. And so it's not a shock that, that, that Phil loves to gamble. We've known this forever. I think what's impactful from Billy's book is he has the receipts. He has the numbers. <laughs> he was a meticulous record keeper. <laughs> and to know that Mickelson, you know, wagered a billion dollars with a B over the last 30 years, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, it's it's remarkable because it's always been this belief that to play golf at the highest level, you have to have this clear mind. And players have talked about when they were going through things off the course that affected their golf. But Phil, and also for that matter, Tiger Woods, is a master compartmentalizer because there was so much happening. And Billy doesn't get into this in his book. I, I got into it in mine. I mean, there were these really shady characters that were adjacent to Phil Mickelson because of the gambling. There was this dandy Don character in Detroit who was mobbed up. It was this guy, Greg Silvera, who wound up going to jail for uh, wire fraud and tax evasion stuff related to a case with Phil Mickelson. Um, there's, you know, obviously Billy Walters uh, went to jail. I mean, Phil was driving around an SUV with bulletproof glass. What golfer needs bulletproof glass? <laughs> and so the, the, the scale of the gambling raises questions. Like, did he get in over his head? Like, sure. how desperate did he become? How, how did this affect him and his life and his career? And so that's why it's impactful. And then, and then you come to the revelation from, from Billy Walters that, you know, on the eve of the 2012 Ryder Cup, Phil called and wanted to place a bet on a tournament in which he was competing. Right. And of course that, yeah, and even though he wanted to bet on his own team, that very same concept got Pete Rose banned for life from baseball. So that, that's a serious accusation which, you know, yesterday Phil came out and denied, said he never bet on the Ryder Cup, but uh, he didn't deny the phone call. He didn't deny asking Billy to make the bet. It 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 speaks to his frame of mind. I mean, the Ryder Cup is the most pressure-packed event in golf. There is enough juice and enough energy in the Ryder Cup, um, but if you have to put money on it to, to bring your energy level up and your adrenaline and your engagement, like, that's that's a red flag. So, um, you're right. Phil's always had this per persona. And for some people, I mean, I've been all over Twitter the last two days. Some folks say, oh, I love Phil more now because you're reading these stories, yeah. you know, and they, 
and that's fine. I, you know, sports gambling has become a huge part of our society. No one's really going to condemn you anymore for for gambling. Yeah. But the size of the bets and the Ryder Cup story that takes it in a slightly different direction. Okay, so let me. I'm not going to defend them on Ryder Cup. That's that's the one that obviously people are upset about. But there's no purse. It's for bragging rights. And he's a boxer. I I consider boxers and golfers independent contractors. The PGA, in fact, was a charity. So it's not Mahomes betting in the NFL where you have teammates and a commissioner. Well, you have a commissioner, teammates and coaches and an owner. And golfers have always been independent contractors. And Phil never liked his commissioner or the sport. He never felt he was given kind of his just, right? And so it doesn't feel. And Ryder Cup's not a major. It's, it's bragging rights. So... I know it's bad, and I know golf is the gentleman's sport, and everybody in golf disagrees with me. But um, I do feel like there's a difference between betting the Masters or the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup. Why am I wrong? <laughs> well, the Ryder Cup, you do have teammates who are counting on you, and you're representing the whole of the United States. So in, you could argue that there's more there's more weight on the Ryder Cup and there's more importance and that you are a representative, not just of yourself, but your team, your captain and your fellow Americans. And so if you're going to mess around with the Ryder Cup, you're sort of messing with all of us on some level. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and there's a strain of, of Phil defenders out there who said, well, he, he was betting on his team to win. Nothing's wrong with that. And yeah. That's that's possibly true, but we don't know what other bets he may have had, and we don't know how that pressure affected him. And when you go back to that 2012 Ryder Cup, it, it's it's been talked about for over a decade now. Phil was paired with Keegan Bradley, and they were destroying the Europeans. They went three and zero, and they were on Saturday morning they won their match seven and six. They hardly they barely played half a round of golf, but Phil asked to sit out that afternoon which was a shocker. They were the hottest team for the American side. You would just throw them out there and let them keep going, especially after having a stress-free morning round. But Phil wanted to sit, and he did, along with Keegan. And Europe kind of rallied right at the end of that, that Saturday afternoon session, and it gave him a huge amount of momentum going into singles. And they pulled off the next day the miracle at Medina, and Phil's loss loomed very large in singles to Justin Rose. And so... If if Phil wants to bet on the Ryder Cup and he's so confident, <laughs> let's just just as a thought exercise. What if he made a bet with somebody else? He said, "I'm putting a million dollars on me to win my singles match." Yeah. And what what if that caused him to go to Captain Davis Love and say, "I need to be fresh for singles tomorrow. Rest me this afternoon." And um, and then that afternoon session, Europe got momentum. They carried it into the singles. They won the Ryder Cup. Right. So. It's like you just it's the same thing with Pete Rose. Like, was he managing differently because he had big money on a particular game? Like, was he burning up his bullpen? Was he pushing his starters too hard? Like, you're trying to win, but if you're trying to win at all costs and you, you change the way you're you're playing the game or you're managing the game, uh, you can argue that even though you're betting on yourself, it's having a it's having a ripple effect that and so you know, these these are all ifs. We don't know. If, if Phil had any bets or not, he says he didn't. So we have to take that at face value in the absence of any other evidence. But it just, it speaks to his frame of mind. If, if he wanted that action, if he needed that action, it does make you question, what do we not know? Yeah. Yeah. This is what we know from Gambler by Billy Walters. Okay. Alan Shipnuck's got two golf books. He got author of nine books. Phil, the rip-roaring unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstars about Phil. We showed that one. Go buy that one. 
Uh, in October, he's got Live, Live Tour, Live and Let Die, the inside story of the war between the PGA Tour and the Live Golf. You know, I guess with, with all this, every time I talk to you, there's more Phil exploits. You may have to push the October to December and make it a Christmas gift because Phil is the gift that keeps on giving in golf. But he's Alan Shipnuck. He's a golf writer. He's also a partner in the Fire Pit Collective, a golf media company. It's always a pleasure. You take time. You're covering golf this week. And you know, Alan, I love your work and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Colin. I appreciate it. You bet. So, you know, he brings up a very good point. And maybe I'm I'm being too glib about it. But, you know, if he asked somebody to bet on the Ryder Cup and Billy said no, did he have other side bets? It's a very, very good point. That's why I asked the question. But uh, I've, I've just always sort of framed golfers as boxers. Um, even if you were a downhill skier, you're, you're generally part of a, you know, an Olympic team at some point. Uh, I guess Ryder Cup, you're, you're part of an ever-changing American team. But he, he made good points there. Um, Phil Mickelson's fascinating. I know I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on Phil Mickelson in the last several months, but in the absence of Tiger Woods, uh, I mean, it's Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, kind of drive golf. He's, to me, endearing and certainly enduring, and he's always interesting. When you can sell golf books like Phil, there's a reason. He's interesting. All right, we'll see you next week. j Max back. He went on a beautiful vacation. I uh, just talked to him the other day. He's doing great with his fam. He's coming back. Thank you, Ryan, for, as always, being more than capable. We'll see you Monday. It's the Hurt. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.